Welcome to the Ultimate Coach Podcast, Conversations from Being, inspired by the book, The Ultimate Coach, written by Amy Hardison and Alan Thompson. Join us each week with the intention of expanding your state of being, and your experience will be remarkable. Remember, this is a podcast about being. It is a podcast about you. To explore more deeply, visit theultimatecoachbook.com. Now, enjoy today's conversation from B. Hello, and this is Cordelia Gaffar. I'm happy to be here with Kellen Flukiger for the Ultimate Coach Podcast. He is a coach who helps people to create your ultimate life. And you're also a great friend of Steve Hardison's, is that correct? Yes, it is. So what's your experience of the Book of Being? My experience with the Book of Being started about a year or so before it was published. Steve sent me an advanced copy, as he did to many. And so I had a chance to read it a couple of different rounds and give him some thoughts about different stuff. I enjoyed it the time I read it in manuscripts. I have read it several times since, and it sits on my desk pile of probably 30 or so books that I have that are active at any given time. And I point over there because that's where the piles are, three of them. <laughs> and um, so my experience with it, I was, uh, you know, I read a chapter at one of the different uh, chapter readings. And I know there are several of those going on. So one of, one of those I participated in. Uh, my experience is that it contains just not only the stories, but an effort to recreate as much as possible in each individual the sense of possibility. You know, Steve is always adamant about it not being about him, even though the stories are about him. And I understand that because I say that also to people in the talk I just gave in Philadelphia 10 days ago. I said the same thing. I said, I'm going to tell you some stories. Some of them are, have me in them. And a few of them have others in them, but they're really not about me or them for you to examine how these ideas and experiences might affect you. So I, the book is a, has a perfect example of that and tells extraordinary stories of the effect that Steve's presence and his love, his choosing to see everyone with love and impossibility, has on people. Because most, most of the time, People don't see each other that way. People are locked in the idea of what is either what is the problem in the situation for me or what is the opportunity for me in the situation, but it is always focused on what they are going to get or give or be required from the situation. And it's funny because just last Saturday, Joy and I were in Las Vegas and we had missed our flight from Vegas to Edmonton and we went to the airline and they only fly on Saturday and Tuesday. So we were faced with a choice of buying a very, very last minute ticket at an extraordinary price or waiting till Tuesday to fly on the airline that we had already a ticket on. We elected to do that. And the first question, as we sat there in the airport in Las Vegas with the airline that had just flown us late from Phoenix to Vegas, which caused us to miss our flight, having said, we can't do anything for you. Our contract was simply to get you here. We did. So have a nice day. 
um, we sat down with nowhere to go and no plan, really. And we hadn't talked to our airline because they had a two-hour wait on the phone. And I looked at Joy and laughed. And I said, okay, so what is the gift here? And, you know, we approached it from that. And last night, after we, or this morning at 1.30, when we drove from the airport to the house, I said to her, I had this funny feeling. I said, I feel like that extra three days in Las Vegas was like supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like there was anything wrong with this. Like this was how the trip was supposed to go. So the book allows everyone the opportunity to participate in themselves in an extraordinary way through the eyes of the stories. Thank you for sharing that. I, I really love the way you demonstrate it what it is to read and experience the book of being through a recent lived experience of your own. I appreciate that. Well, it was, it was real. I mean, it, we, uh, when, when I was in Phoenix, I, I mentioned before we got on it, when we got there, we got there late Monday night, I think, or Tuesday morning. I can't remember, mm-hmm. but I sent a no, I sent a text to Steve and said, you know, I don't know what you got going on, but Joy and I are in Phoenix. We used to live in Phoenix. We live in Edmonton now, but we lived in Phoenix for eight years from eight to 16. So we have a storage locker and a post office box. And we go down there once in a while to handle our USA stuff, bank accounts and all that jazz. Mm -hmm. So I just sent a text. Steve said, hey, I'm in town. I don't know. I want to create some time to be together or whatever. But about an hour later, he called me and he was laughing. And he said, do you know how many people want to, you know, like come and visit? And I said, probably. And he, he said, all right, the only night we have is tomorrow, which was Wednesday, X o'clock and whatever. And then he called me at six o'clock Wednesday morning and said, you're an early riser, right? And I said, yeah, I've been up for a couple hours hmm. and uh, made an adjustment, whatever. But it was just funny yeah, to experience that as well. And it was just there, you know, opportunity and being in the, in the moment. And what, what we talked about, interestingly enough, was um, Amy had already bought a, quite some time ago the book that I wrote, Meeting God at the Door, which talked about dying and stuff. So really for about the first half, that was it. They wanted, they wanted to know about what happened. And, and so I spent time describing that experience in detail. Oh, I love that. That's fun. <laughs> Well, Steve shook his head afterwards and he said, um, he said, you've seen stuff, most people, whatever. I, you know, I, he didn't finish the sentence, but he meant hadn't seen hmm. or would never see or whatever, filling in words that were not fully formed in his mind. But it was interesting and it was fun and we enjoyed it. And it was all created from hmm. possibility, just like the book uh, urges us to do. Yeah. You know, it's funny from time to time, Steve will reach out and say, you know, Cordelia, you got to interview this person for the podcast. And so, you know, I reached out to you, I think the day or maybe two days later, you know, after he had reached out and said, do you know Kellen? And I was like, I don't. He says he would be great to interview for the podcast. And I'm like, "Okay, Right. And so uh, we had an exchange that day, which really was transformative for me. And so 
I'm I'm just curious as I'm listening to you talk about your experience of the book of being and you're using your own lived experiences what is it that you create with who you're being I I, I could sit here and, and gush for about the next 45 minutes about what I experience about who you're being but what kind of person do you have to be to create a company called Your Ultimate Life and coach people on that? So I lived 30 years in, uh, 35 years, from age 17 to 52, so not age zero to 35, from 17 to 52, struggling with my own inner demons, depression, self-sabotage, was raised in an abusive structure that Treated discipline, today would be felony child abuse kind of stuff, physical and some sexual stuff. And that left me feeling unworthy. And so I lived that way. Never got any help. And in 2007, after 35 years, when I was 52, I, which is coming up on August, it'll be 16 years. So I had an extraordinary experience, a divine intervention, invitation single again for the third time. I was a $3,000 a week cocaine addict. And I was also making so much money that none of that mattered. And so I, I, we all receive divine nudges, interventions, pushes, ideas, thoughts. Sometimes they're soft. Usually they're soft. Sometimes they're really noisy. Uh, I had attempted suicide two weeks before this particular thing happened. And uh, so this one was really loud. <laughs> and have talked about it before. It's written in the book, A Tightrope of Depression, if someone wants all the details. But it caused me to quit everything that I was doing from a substance point of view. My wife, Joy, was miraculously brought into my life, like literally flown in and dropped on the doorstep, almost. Mm. And not even knowing each other, both of us knew this was the right thing to do. And so we started a life together, like literally in, in a, a few days. Uh, having, so we sort of said, you know, this is kind of crazy, but we both know this is the right thing to do. And I was literally at that point, like three weeks sober. Okay. And she knew everything about everything. And she walked away from a career. And so did I, and we sort of said, okay, if we're going to do this, this is ride or die. Right. <laughs> right. And uh, here we are coming up on 16 years later. And so with that kind of invitation and divine Nudges are always invitations, even when they're dramatic. So mine was quite dramatic, but it was still an invitation. So you make choices when you have those invitations. And the choice that we made was to walk away from both the careers that we knew and start over. I made a choice at that time for the first time in my life to to be vulnerable, to go talk to people and to see what I could do because up to then I believed that everything that was bad in my life was my fault and I was the evil source of all things. Mm. So I be, chose to be vulnerable. Joy was invincible in her support. And, you know, we spent the first three or four years getting to know each other because we didn't, but that was okay. And, you know, we tried different things, but I knew a gift, and this goes to the gifts and talents in your ultimate life, a gift that I had, that I had exercised mostly in music and mostly in community and church choirs and bands and musicals and things, was to help 
a group of people do things that were extraordinary by their own measure, sing in a cohesive, powerful unit as a choir or, you know, perform dramatic presentations in a way they didn't think they could. And I knew that I had that ability. And so, and, I, and that's why I was so successful in my careers because I could do that. And I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew how to do stuff. So I decided, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. And I figured out, gee, that must be coaching. And so I decided I was going to be a coach, whatever that meant. And I looked up some coaching things online and took a couple um, certification courses just because nobody ever asked about that stuff, but I did. Mm -hmm. And I made a choice that from that time on, I was going to be of service. And the more years that go by, the more powerful and clear it gets. Your ultimate life is a definition. And it's something I claim not only for myself, but say with invincible certainty that every person can live your ultimate life. And because it's easy to say heady phrases like that, I give it a definition. I say your ultimate life is a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy mm. that you create by serving with your gifts. And so uh, I just got off a call before this with a with a client who's not active right now, but was you know quite in a tizzy about some things. And the reason is because this individual has lost the connection to the truth of creating their own experience. And so the experience they have created is one of external forces and not knowing what to do and a bit of helplessness and pointing at business partners and other things. When, when the truth is self-creation would allow easily a way through. And as I listened to the description of franticness, it was clear to me what needed to be done and what could happen now in a matter of days. Mm -hmm. You know, and then I had to end the call because I had another commitment, which was this one, which is fine. And I'll send him a message later. But the point is, you, Cordelia, Kellen, you, Mirror, and you, everybody else, you have the ability to live a life that you love every minute, where when things happen, like you get stuck in Las Vegas for three days, and I hate Las Vegas. I, I don't hate anybody there, but literally walking down the street for half an hour, I was assaulted. I felt overwhelmed with the sadness and the sorrow and the people clamoring for happiness outside themselves and stuff. And I just told Joy, I got I to gotta get out of here. I got to go hide in a hotel room. I got stuff to do and this ain't it. And so we went out for dinner a couple of times, but that was it. But anyway, you can create that life of purpose, prosperity, and joy that you love every single day if you want it. And yeah, nobody falls up the mountain. So you got to do the work, but you can have it. And so all that's happened in these 16 years coming on 16 since August of 2007 is the clarity has gradually increased. The commitment has gradually increased. The volume has gradually increased. Until today, my commitment is to help 50 million people to discover their gifts and to serve with them. And that's just this year. And my year goes from October 14th to October 14th, because that's Joy's birthday. And so that's it. And that's all I do. 
morning to night, first breath to last, asleep or awake. I wake up with my document statements in my lips. The first thing I breathe, it's the last thing I do when I'm sitting by myself. You know, and I've seen things that most people haven't. 11 years after that, other stuff happened. I died in 2018. Three conversations with God. And I realized that is unusual by anybody's standards. But it didn't change anything. I elected to stay. You know, the choice was given to go or stay. And I elected to stay because I wasn't done yet. Not done to me means I got this year 50 and... On halftime, April 14th, I added up all the audiences of my own and of everybody's podcasts I've been on, and we were already at 65 million. Wow. And so, so we goal. said, we're doubling down. Yeah. And I'm talking too much. Not at all. Not at all. I wanted to hear all that. I wanted the the viewers and listeners of this to hear every word that you just shared with us, because, you know, to answer a question like, who do you have to be to create this type of life and coaching for people is a big answer, isn't it? <laughs> well, it is. And it's just a choice. Like, yes, I had a divine intervention in 2007. Yes, I died and talked to God in 2018. But I can tell you, there's nothing very interesting or special about me. I lived a horrific battlefield filled life for decades. There's no distance which you can fall to where there won't still be an invitation. The direction is more important than the velocity of your movement. You can turn around right this minute and you can make incremental steps in in the direction you want. And so building your ultimate life starts with a choice, which I made in August of 2007 when I quit 3000 bucks a week cocaine cold turkey in one day. I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what it's going to take. I don't know who I have to be or where I have to go or who to talk to, but I'm done with that. Yeah, it definitely is a choice. And it and it's, you know, going cold turkey is for something, for anything, you know. I mean, cocaine is, of course, we've got a lot of chemical things going on there, but for anything is is massive. And to choose to invest differently and better in your own life's force, you know, and life source is a miracle. Yeah. And one of the things I love about Steve and the book and what he says a lot is, you know, Gabby posts the miracle in uh, the miracle in Peru or, and everybody talks about creating a miracle. And Steve talks about that. That's not fanciful conversation. So I, I don't know why, but maybe because I write books and I've written 18, but my personal truth and commitment documents, many pages, right? And it's got all kinds of different parts. And one of them is a, is a piece that says, seize the day, the secret to live in flow and cause miracles to appear. Mm-hmm. And then there's 12 parts to that. And that, those 12 pieces is exactly and literally how I create every single day. So I don't do those documents and put them over there to look at now and then. They're woven into the fabric of my skin, my eyeballs, my thoughts. They're written with fire and steel on my heart. 
when people write those things, I ask them when the last time they read them was. Or I ask them when do you have it memorized? Or well, I ask them. I, I want to ask you a question. Yeah. You know, I'm going to interrupt because no, I'm, no. I'm super curious. Like, how did you create your document? Because as you say that, I know people are creating their document out of reading the book of being. Mm-hmm. But um, since you already know, Steve, did you ever have a coaching relationship with him and create your document in, in the proper way? <laughs> no, I had worked on that before I, I even knew Steve Hardison. So, so that was part of my own knowing that I needed some some declarations. And I heard uh, the first time I met Steve Hardison many years ago was at a Ch- Steve Chandler mastermind. Uh, and he came to speak. He did that once in a while when Chandler was running those and he's now retired, but I was in him for several years and I met Steve and Amy at one of them and he recited his document at the time. And I loved it because I hadn't heard anyone do something really like I was, had been working on. And so, you know, his recitation and things certainly influenced my thinking and stuff. And, but my document's a living, breathing thing. I mess with it all the time. Yes. And then I rememorize it and I explore it. And what I say with with document, how do you create it? You create it by getting first. And this is really hard. You have to get rid of all the things you think you're supposed to be. Mm. And even if you think, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but I'm really supposed to be that. Okay. Put it over here just for a minute. <laughs> put it on pause. <laughs> put, just put it over there on a shelf for a minute. You, you're free to take it back, but just set it over there for a minute. And if you had no expectations, no pressures, nothing to do, no obligations, nothing, you were in nothing, what calls to you? Mm. Who do you want to be? What does your heart ache to truthfully own? As your beingness, one of the ways I think about it is, you know, God created the universe, however you want to think of it, created all of us. We were all given gifts and talents. That's all we came with, naked with gifts. Okay, cool. What we choose to do with those is all we're going to take home. Mm -hmm. That's it. Nothing else. No titles, no money, no Whatever, none of that goes. What you have made out of yourself. And so there'll be no excuses. There'll be nothing to say. Who you are will be transparent as glass. And so when I think about that, I used to scare the crap out of me because of how I lived my life before. But now it's just so exciting because then everything is about doing something and we're built to love and serve each other. That's how we're constructed spiritually and physically neurotransmitters and all the rest. So I can't even think of anything more fun to be working on. And for me, that turns into music. I write and sing and books I write and clients. I coach and conferences. I speak at, you know, last week in Philadelphia. And, and so that's all there is. And it's exciting. And out of that choice, the, the document word sort of ooze out of you. And one piece of it, I had a client who was also a marketing expert and a video dude. And he looked at my stuff online and he said, oh, I think we can 
you know, do something more powerful and present this better. I thought, okay, you know, tell me what you're thinking. And so he did, and he'd hired some designer to do this, and they start where designers always start. Hmm, let's start over about your color scheme. Well, my wife's a degree designer, and she'd done all that. But it's okay that that's what they want to think and feel. But in the interaction, I thought, you know, I need to write something that reflects both me and the person that I work with. Hmm. Because the experience that people have with you and with me, we create in the moment. So I have words in my document that's, that sound like, you know, I enter every conversation empty and listening. I, I always remove ego and want and just exist as pure love. Encouraging, inclusive, and loving place to listen to you like you've never been heard and see you in your power and possibility. So anyway, I decided to write this document, and it felt sort of like a medieval scroll, a pronouncement <laughs> thing, right? And so I titled it The Scroll of Truth and Power. Yes. And I wrote it and worked on it, and I wrote it in some fancy kind of script, right? And yeah. it's two pages. And by the time I got done and refined it some, I can't read that without weeping and feeling invincibly connected to the truth of creation and a possibility. Mm. I love that. I love that it's a living document. I love that you're constantly in creation. And like you said, it oozes. It's like a river that flows through everything you do, right? It's the mm -hmm. reflecting pool of who you're being with your clients, with your wife, with your friends, you know? And, um, and with your non-friends, right? Like when you go to the grocery store, when you're in a place you hate, like Las Vegas. <laughs> so it's it's um, such a beautiful template, you know, of who you're being. And so I like I like the way you shared that. You know, I, I think it just deepens the understanding that people have of what the document is and how it helps you to create who you're being. In every second, in every breath, I say in every breath and every heartbeat, you know, mm -hmm. and um, I, I resonate clearly, right, with your message, your ultimate life, because I, I've adopted part of that word ultimate in my, you know, mm -hmm. my being. So, well, I tell I, people, clients, if you're if your document doesn't when you when you read it or say it on purpose. If it doesn't make you weep, then write it again. Mm -hmm. On purpose, that part, that matters. Well, you can mumble some words, but if you're not connected to it and when you do, it doesn't like light fire in your heart, make you weep, write it again because it sucks. Because it wouldn't be for you. It would be for somebody else or for what you think somebody else you or what you want other people to think of you. Right. And we're, moving into the realm, we're moving away from the realm of want and into the realm of being and having, <laughs> creating our doing, <laughs> right? So. I had a weird experience once. I was, uh, during the time I was seeing a lot of counselors, one particular shrink I saw, he, he loved to do holotropic breath work, hmm. which is really, really, really fast rhythmic breath work to some really 
exciting music and you do it for a long time and you over flood your brain with oxygen. It creates an altered state and all kinds of stuff. It's really interesting. So every time I'd go see him, we'd talk about something for a while and he'd say, that sounds like something good to take to the mat. So then I'd lay down on the floor and for an hour or so I'd do this breath work. And one of the times in that situation, I saw, uh, I was having a conversation with a goddess of, it was flat, like on a stained glass window with a headdress and stuff. It reminded me of something that I imagined to have seen in either Hindu or, you know, that kind of thing. And I may be completely wrong, but that's what I thought it was. But anyway, we were having this conversation and she said something to me. She said, from the place of being, the doing becomes trivial. And so when I got up from the session, the shrink always asked me, so what did you learn? And so I always told him stuff and we'd make some notes and see how it applied to what we had taken to the mat. And I said to him, well, what I heard this lady tell me was from the place of being, the doing becomes trivial. And he was sitting in his chair and he spun around and his head snapped and he said, can I use that? (laughs) (laughs) Of course. And by trivial, it doesn't mean unimportant. It means simple. Yes. And and to be clear, you know, like simple is not a synonym for easy. Never. <laughs> Never. Yeah. Nobody falls up the mountain. I love you saying that. Nobody falls up the mountain. You want to you want to get up there. You have to you have to climb, sometimes crawl, mm-hmm. sometimes bleed, sometimes Pray, sometimes wait, but if you want to get up there, wherever there is for you, you have to go there. Yes, but it's it's really not a destination, though, is it? It's a temporary destination, like you might have goals and thoughts. If you're talking about... Let me rephrase my question. My question is that, like, in your experience, right, it's not... You, you you are you have arrived at where you are now, but have you really arrived anywhere? Right? You just are being. Yeah, I'm not done arriving. I don't know that the day will ever come when I don't think of things that I want to do, not because I'm unhappy with who I'm being or where I'm at, but yeah. because I see a possibility. And the question comes, I wonder what would happen if and so then some of those resonate and you pursue them and some don't. And you don't. And there's no drama about it either way. Just decide what you're going to do. And you go be the be the energy, the essence, and the vessel that needs you need to be to make that happen. I love that. I'm wondering, because I feel like the statement that you just said makes our whole conversation complete, right? And what what else would you like to put into the space? Something I used to do during my years of struggle is I would look outside at other people's circumstances and I would say, you know, I'm sure blah, blah, blah is possible. A certain amount of money or a certain amount of health or a certain amount of uh, connectedness or a certain amount of spirituality. I'm sure that's possible because I'm seeing it, right. but not for me. I just can't do that. And that was a truth that for me was true. I created that truth and believed it and therefore settled. I didn't think I was settling. I was accepting a truth. 
that the things that I saw were possible, but not for me because, and then any number of becauses. And sometimes I didn't even know why. I don't know. I just can't do that. So what I want to make sure that I say without telling anyone what they need to do or be or think is that I discovered I was not right. (laughs) I discovered that was not true, that all of the things that I saw or experienced or felt material, spiritual were available. I did not believe it and know it. But I knew that now, I know that now. And so one of the ways I say that is it doesn't matter where you've been. It does not matter what has happened around you or even to you. And I use that phrase advisedly in terms of the choices of others affecting us. It doesn't matter. This 70 or 100 years that we exist here is a micro spec in, in the, in the, infinitude of the cosmos and we mistake we we leave a lot on the table when we assume that this is finality and everything is unfair because of x and we're going to die because of that and i'm too old i didn't start till i was 52 on this journey and all the rest of the thing so it doesn't matter where you've been it doesn't matter what's happened to you or for you or however you want to say that doesn't matter You, right here, right now, can have a life where every day is filled with purpose, prosperity, joy, creation, love, inner peace, or anything you want to use to describe that act of divine connectedness and creation. The choice always was and is yours That you have ignored it X number of times isn't even important because the only choice that matters is the one you make right here, right now. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Kellen. You're welcome. Thank you for your insightful questions. Thank you for all the work that it takes. A podcast is a labor of love. And you doing this is a labor of love. And it is a choice about who you're being and how you contribute to the growth, opportunity, peace, and coolness of other people and all those that participate and watch. So thank you. Yeah, I appreciate your acknowledgement there. And for those of you who have benefited from our conversation today here on the Ultimate Coach Podcast, please share this with another soul and with another heart and explore who you're being. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you know someone who would benefit from today's conversation, please share this podcast with them. Also, we invite you to visit theultimatecoachbook.com so you can continue your personal exploration of being. There you will find links to join our wonderful community, get your own copy of The Ultimate Coach Book, and more. Simply go now to www.theultimatecoachbook.com. That's www.theultimatecoachbook.com. The link is also available in the show notes. We appreciate your support. Be blessed. Be used.